1: Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome! It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro America Report. Great to be together today. We have a great show. It's important. It's got key people. Uh, Tim Chapman's been chapping at the bit, chomping at the bit, of course, chapping though. Last week he and I were talking. He's a guy that knows China. He knows what China's doing. He's going to help us understand it better. He'll be on in a few minutes, and then we'll also talk with Trent England. Here's the thing: I have to tell y'all understand that the left is trying to gut the electoral process the election process they want mail in ballots which will be fraud they want same day registration will be fraud which will be fraud they want anything that can gut the confidence that Americans have in our awesome election system and when they can't game that system, they try to move over and they want to gut the Electoral College. So they want to make so all that matters is Los Angeles and, and New York and Chicago and the raw vote. Right. Popular vote means Montana, Missouri. Forget about it. All these small places, Idaho, anywhere, anywhere that's not New York City and uh, L.A. and San Fran and Chicago. You're just done. So that we'll talk with him about that in a minute. And um, we got a lot more, but what do you need to know today? Let me get to right, right. What do you need to know? What what you need to know today? And it's a big day for this. If you saw it, the Trump economy is whoosh, whoosh, launching again. The president's tweeting about it, the, the, the stock market's way up, but let me explain to you what is happening. It's so important because you and I have a role to play. What you need to know is economies, and economy, the American economy, the world economy, your local economy, is impacted first and foremost by how you and I and everyone participating feels, feels about what's happening You say, well, what do you sound like a new age guy, feels? What I mean by that is, and and I've done this for for years now on this program, you remember when I talk about the economy, I'll tell you, I refer to the Eagle Index, Eagle Index. The Eagle Index is four indices put together and their direction can tell you how things are going. What are the four? Stock market, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or the S&P 500, what do you pick? But when the market's up, that means small business feels confident. Okay, it's number one. Number two is the small business confidence surveys that the National Federation of Independent Businesses does. I think it's quarterly. And they take surveys of small businesses and they say, What what is the confidence you have in your future, small business owner? And that's a judgment of small business. The third one is, of course, unemployment rates. That's a huge number. The fourth one is consumer confidence. They do surveys of people and they say, Are you going to buy a new car? Are you going to buy a new TV? Are you going to put a new uh, driveway in? What are you going to do? and people's answers here's what we have in the trump economy right before the great pause the china virus pause we had everything going in the right direction low unemployment good high consumer confidence good high small business confidence unbelievable so high record-breaking small business and then of course the uh, stock market's booming now that we're coming through this what do we have wall street's taken off Big businesses figured out how to handle this, right? They know how to handle it. They're recognizing what's happening. They can see it. Unemployment's terrible. But unemployment is at least is a sort of fake number for now that directionally we're going to see change. In other words, when unemployment starts to run out and we start to open up, people are going to start getting back to work. And we have a, we have a role to play in that I'll get to in a minute. The other two is small business confidence and consumer confidence. Consumer confidence, it it may have taken a hit in terms of the surveys, but the reality is consumers have more money ready to spend and more ability to spend it because we've changed some of our habits. So we have money. You know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. We haven't eaten out. We have not eaten out in two months. Not a single time. We made dinner at home every night. And that's changed that we've saved a lot of money. But it also means once we get through this, we're going to suddenly have the time and the energy and the money to go out to eat. Not too much. We're going to keep the habit. But we're going to change our direction. So consumer confidence, same thing with the saving that bit of money. We're saying, hey, wait a second. We can, we can get back to uh, we can do some, some purchasing, some, make some decisions. On unemployment, what can we do? As people get back to work, we can get directionally, we can help people realize, and they know this, it's better to work than stay on unemployment. They do that. They know that. And the economy is going the right way. Now, the one that's a wrinkle is small business. Um, so, I, oh, I'm sorry. Let me put a fine point on consumer confidence. You may not like it, and I don't love it. You may not like it, and I don't love it, but Walmart and Amazon they have made an adjustment and they're going like gangbusters and we're consuming like gangbusters. People are buying it's Safeway and where I live, Safeway is a supermarket. They're delivering to your home. Costco's delivering to your home. Everything is happening in, and we're consuming. So the, the, my point is consumer confidence will go right back up. The wrinkle is small businesses. To me, small businesses is that problem because a small business includes lots of restaurants, you know, lots of small businesses where if Amazon's booming because you can buy yarn for a project like my daughter from Amazon, it comes the next day, or you could have gone to Michael's, the craft shop in our in our neck of the woods, you know, but you don't because you ordered it online. That's the difference. You know, there's mom and pop shops, all these chains. That's going to be a little harder, but... I think directionally, you're going to see the thing popping in the right, in the, in, in, headed in the right direction. And we got to worry about that. You know, we got to worry about that. We're going to talk um, later this week to some of the folks. Um, in fact... Um Matt Stoller, S-T-O-L-L-E-R, good guy to follow on Twitter. Stoller is a lefty, and he wrote a book called Goliath about how big business gets too big and it doesn't treat people right. But he comes all the way full circle on the left to guys like me who say, hey, we can't have a system where there's monopolies of the way we're doing and driving everything, the markets, out of, out of uh, sorts. So somewhere in between, we're going to have to have changes. Whether you hear Senator Hawley say it or you hear Vice President Pence over the weekend say it about the tech giants, we're going to have some changes. And I think it's going to be led by federal intervention because we can't have our, our whole country, our whole nation, America first, be distorted by the by monopolists like Amazon. I think it's coming. That thing's coming. But back to what you need to know. The Trump economy's back. The Eagle Index says, how do we go charging forward? Wall Street is way up today. I think that uh, um, unemployment is going to come down pretty quickly as we get back open. And the other two, this is what I want to tell you. We have a role we have a role to create the environment where people feel confident, they feel good, they feel optimistic about the direction of things. And we can do that by our own actions, our own attitudes, and by what we think we're seeing. And, and, and here's the lesson. You don't have to be Norman Vincent Peale, the late Norman Vincent Peale. I'm holding his book in my hand, The Power of Positive Thinking. You don't have to be a disciple of his to believe me, but I will tell you this. If you know that book, if you recognize that in that book, the kinds of things about how you can make your reality by understanding what the psychology, what the uh, what the emotion, what the direction of things is, that's what we can do. And, and here's the one thing that we're well served at that well served at in this moment is the fake news has been uh, it has been um, so shattered, so exposed by President Trump that people don't really believe them, which is good because they're spending their time. Over things that don't make any sense. They're spending their time over and over again trying to critique the president's doctor for what he uh, prescribed him. They're spending time over and over dissecting President Trump's tweets as if they haven't figured out that Trump always distracts people from what's going on with his tweets, his fight with uh, with Joe Scarborough or otherwise. But what you need to know is we got to discard the fake news and focus on the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are the big four of the Eagle Index. And what, and what you need to know is it's our economy. It's our economy. It, we have to invest ourselves, invest our lives, our mindset, our sense of being in the success. I'm so proud over the weekend that many of our pastors, you know, a week ago on this program, we talked about how I said it and you agreed and we talked about, it. I got emails from everybody. They said, hey, Ed, you're right. And, and what we said was, hey, it's time to go back. It's time to open up and the pastors need to lead. The churches need to go first because they, they, the, they have God on their side. They have the First Amendment on their side and we just need somebody to lead. And they did it over this past weekend. Now Trump helped a lot on Friday, but they did it. What you need to know is we got to lead on the economy too. We can do it. We've got to do it. We can't wait for our neighbors or friends. It's a mindset shift. It's a pro-America mindset shift, mindset shift. That's what we're looking for. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with a very, very interesting guy and we'll talk about this important issue, and that's the Electoral College. Trent England will be right with us. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, I've been talking about this, and, and I pretend to know what I'm talking about. It's not true. I do know a little bit of what I'm talking about, but that is the threats to the electoral college, which uh, Nancy Pelosi, every time she gets a chance, she trots that out. Uh, we've talked a lot about it, and we're going to hear about it, I think, for the next six months, about the threats to our elections when people want to do mail-in voting and uh, and they want to uh, have same-day registration to vote, all these kinds of things. You say, wait, w- won't that gut the confidence in the election? system, won't people say, oh my gosh, they're stealing, it's not just Norm Coleman's, uh, you know, uh, election that was stolen by Al Frank, and this is the presidency, whatever, well, that's true, but one of the structural changes that the uh, left is trying to do is to get rid of the electoral college, and uh, very timely, Trent England has a, has a, a count, Encounter Books has a, one of these short booklets, they're, they're fantastic, and the kind of tradition of, uh, like, pamphlets in the old days, you know, uh, Thomas Paine's Common Sense, all that kind of stuff, Encounter Books, and it, it's, um it is called um why we must defend the electoral college and trent of course uh is no stranger to conservatives who are aware of him he's uh well known he's the executive director founder of save our states and he also serves as the executive vice president of the oklahoma council of public affairs welcome trent how are you sir i'm great ed thanks for having me on the show well i'm glad to have you so why trent why do we need this book tell us the threats who's threatening it and why are they threatening the electoral college
0: yeah, so the the left is absolutely right to go after the Electoral College because it is, it is keeping them from getting what they want, which is control of the executive branch of government, control of the White House. And they have come up with this very nefarious strategy to use state legislation, what's called an interstate compact, which is basically it's a legislation that states pass, that binds states together into a contract. And what this contract would say is that states pledge to ignore how their own voters vote and instead give away their state's electoral votes based on the national popular vote. It's a way to hijack the electoral college and manipulate it to, you know, into a direct election system, exactly what the founders rejected. But, you know, they want to make sure that candidates like Hillary Clinton never lose again. And this is their plan.
1: We're talking with Trent England, And again, the book, it's um, it's uh, great. It's um, uh, why we must defend the Electoral College uh, encounter a broadside. It's number 62. I like those books a lot. Uh, Trent, it's very cool. You got to write this one But back up for one second, though, um, and, and explain this to me. So they're not even trying to change the Electoral College through the like Pelosi proposing a constitutional amendment or something. They're just trying to band together in states. So we have a and let's just play it out a little bit. Um, I, I, I'm a radio host. So I can do this sort of cynically, you know, California bands together with New York bands together with Massachusetts and New Jersey, all the liberal states that are run by Democrats, if any of them survive the China virus period. But um, and they say, we'll stick together because we know that'll benefit us. Is it constitutional? So the problem
0: is this is an idea that is so dumb that James Madison never thought about it, right? The idea that state politicians Hmm. would actually pass a law to ignore their own voters and give away their power in presidential elections. I mean, this is something – you know, I've been doing this for 11 years And when I started, there were a lot of Democrats in states like Delaware and even places like Vermont who who looked at this national popular vote plan and they said, we're not going to do this. This is bad for our state. But as you've seen more of the kind of AOC style, hard left, progressive Democrats win these state legislative seats, there's been a real pivot. And a lot of states have have signed on to this. And it's just not clear, you know, I, I can make a good argument why it's unconstitutional, but it's just not clear that judges would strike it down because, you know, the, the Constitution gives states flexibility. And I, I could see even, you know, even judges that lean toward being constitutional as conservatives, I could see them saying, look, it's a dumb idea, it's a dangerous idea, but the Constitution does not come right out and say you can't do it. And, hmm. and that's why I'm so focused on winning this at the state legislative level.
1: Uh, Trent, is the, how does governor of a state, even if the state is leaning, you know, in California, they got 40 million people maybe, and and I know that they're more than half by far, you know, 60% they're they're Democrats, but they're 40% Republicans. It's not an insignificant number of people, but is the politics that just, the politicians don't, they just hold their nose in this era of uh, sort of the women's march the day after Trump was sworn in and the Russia hoax on CNN conditioning people to believe something that's not true. Is that just the reality we're in and, and they just hold their nose and and pretend it doesn't matter to all those people or, or what's the politics of it well is anybody paying a price politically for ignore or threatening to ignore their voters
0: well you know that, that's really why i wrote the book because so few people understand how the electoral college works that I, I what i found is it's just hard for people to even follow what's going on i mean of course you know your, your listeners are smarter than the average American. And and so you know they they understand some of some of how the electoral college operates and and what kind of a threat this is, but so many Americans, even voters, they have a hard time understanding why the electoral college matters in the first place. And so when they hear you know you've got some state politicians who are trying to change the rules, it, it's very hard for people to tell is this is this legal? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? And, mm-hmm. and that's why we're out there trying to educate people. Yeah. I, I, I have found that. You know when, when people understand why we have an electoral college that it, it helps protect us from vote fraud, it protects the rural areas and small towns and heartland America from being just you know completely dominated by the big coastal cities. when people learn those things they they tend to say, you know hey those, those American founders those guys were those guys were pretty smart. I think we should stick with their system but you know for for Americans who who don 't know that history don 't know how this works you know, mostly they're they're kind of sidelined by the fact that our schools have failed to teach civics and history for a couple generations.
1: Um, Trent, and again, we're talking with Trent, uh, Trent England and the book is called why we must defend the electoral college, uh, encounter books out uh, early this month and available wherever you get books. It, give me that, um, you meet a, you meet a stranger, he asks what you do. And then he says the electoral college. Oh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, maybe we should, if people vote, if, if more people voted for Hillary, why shouldn't she be present? Give us that. I should have done it at the beginning of the interview. Give me that, you know, elevator speech of wh- why the electoral college works and why it's so important.
0: Absolutely. There's there's no perfect election system, but the Electoral College for it, it It uh, channels our politics in a way that makes us more unified as a nation. It keeps power down at the state and local levels so that we don't have a presidential appointee running presidential elections. Instead, we have people in our own states. We're able to make our own decisions about how we want to run our elections. And it uses our states like the watertight compartments on an ocean liner where, you know, if you have election fraud in Chicago – all they can do is mess up Illinois, right? If there's vote fraud in uh, you know, in, in San Francisco, all they can do is steal California. They can't steal your votes anywhere else uh, through election fraud, and that's because of the Electoral College. So, I mean, this structure is really important. When you look around the world, most of the countries that people talk about as being democracies have a system kind of like this. Most of those are parliamentary systems, but a parliamentary system does the same thing. It's just actually a little bit less democratic where the prime minister is elected in a two step election through the parliament. You know, we at least have an electoral college so we don't have Congress choosing our president. We the people choose the president, but we do it through our states. And that that makes a lot of sense. It made sense when the Constitution was written and it makes even more sense today.
1: And the opponents of the Electoral College, are they, are they only from the far left? Are they anarchists? I mean, it feels like it should be all those things. Who's, who's really against it?
0: So the, the, the people who are behind this national popular vote campaign are all on the left. I mean uh, John Coza created it because he was mad that Al Gore lost. He was a big Al Gore supporter. He's a major uh donor to Nancy Pelosi from the he's he's from the San Francisco area. And uh, so all all of the the power comes from the left. Uh, But they have found some Republicans who, you know, like Michael Steele, the former chairman of the Republican National Committee, uh, saw the news from the (laughs) Michigan Republican Party. Uh, There are a few Republicans out there who, uh, you know, I I don't know if it's just because they're being paid or because they really believe this, but they have signed on to this and they claim that, oh, this is, you know, this is going to – uh, you know, this is only fair. They say it's only fair to have a, an election where it's just, you know, one person, one vote. And even if that benefits the cities, it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, they they claim that oh, all these Republicans in California and New York are going to come out to vote and it's going to change elections. You know, the, the problem with that is that there's there are Democrats in red states, just like there are Republicans in blue states. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. You, you know, but the math sort of balances <laughs> out. The problem is, you know, the big cities, no matter how you slice it, are are going to gain a lot of power uh, in presidential politics if you, if you do away with the Electoral College.
1: Yeah, it's really good. It's a good point. And again, it's really important. It's important, as you said, to learn how to talk about it for our our folks to understand, explain it to their neighbors, why we must defend the Electoral College. A lot of our listeners in California, they're so sick of California being so bad that they want something that changes the dynamic. Be careful when you try to toss out the baby with the bathwater. So thanks very much, Trent. Good luck with the book and keep us informed. And we'd love to uh, have you back on again as uh, as uh, the issues and the topics uh, uh, become, uh, you know, more and more present. Thanks very much.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Ed.
1: All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. I've been looking forward to this. You know, I, I love uh, interviewing authors and people that are smarter than me when I can find them. And uh, one of the things, I saw this piece by Tim Chapman. I think it's from, uh, I can't find it now. I'm reading it right now, but I can't. Oh, yeah, it was about, it's almost 10 days ago, more than that. But it's a Congress must, Congress must stand up to China. And I got to talk to him. And then we, I had a scheduling change. He had, I, it was tough. And here we are. So welcome, Tim Chapman. How are you, sir? Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for your patience with with uh, me scheduling and i should say you are the executive director of stand for america former executive director a lot of our folks would know that of heritage action uh, because your work there at heritage action and you worked up on the hill for republican senators we won't hold that against you or for you i won't worry about that but so tim welcome to the program how are you sir i'm great thanks for having me well so this commentary congress must stand up to china a lot of americans are like okay. We see China treating us bad, whether the China virus, the fentanyl, some of the you know jobs and all. Okay, good enough. But your your point is Congress has to stand up to China. You know, American people may be there, but Ch- Congress has a role. Walk us through first where what has Congress missed over the last couple of decades on China? What where would you say they they, they didn't see what was coming?
2: Well, you know, I think there was the prevailing wisdom um, amongst folks in in Washington that said that if we treat China the way we treat all of our other trading partners, then they will uh, modernize, they will westernize, they will embrace capitalism, they'll embrace free markets. Um, And that turned out to be disastrously wrong. Uh, It turned out that, no, in fact, what they did, what the communist China – party did was take the benefits of capitalism and take the benefits of trade and use it to um to reinforce their communist regime and to um, to create advantages for themselves on the, on the global stage that really accrue to their benefit and not to ours. And now we're seeing it. I mean, it, the pandemic has really kind of exposed what's been underneath the surface for a long time, namely, which is that a lot of our supply chain issues that we have with China, especially when it comes to things that are important for the United States for our national security. And in this context, that's pr- protective equipment, that's the uh, manufacturing of drugs, et cetera, um, a lot of that is produced in China. And that's a real problem for us. Now, we need to start thinking about our national security. And we need to realize that the communist Chinese government is one that really is intent on um, on taking America down a peg on the global stage. And so we at Stand for America, and by the way, Stand for America uh, is, is a policy advocacy organization founded by Ambassador Nikki Haley, and we, as Stand for America, decided to create a petition um, and to put the petition online at StopCommunistChina.com uh, that calls on Congress to act and to act in a way that acknowledges that we've got this wrong um, and that we need to move quickly. Um, and by the way, that petition has over 450,000 people who've signed it right now. It's really remarkable. So the American people understand that this is an issue that Congress needs to move on. <sighs>
1: Well, that's, and that's, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that re, uh, reaction to your, uh, to the petition. Uh, again, we're talking with Tim Chapman. Congress must stand up to China, is the title of his commentary. So, what can we, what can we, and I, I, maybe it's not too specific yet, I mean, you would know having been up on a hill, but what can we look for from the se- Senate and House, from the U.S. Congress to do? Because they all say they're against China. They all say they're worried about it. What could they do? Is, is, and is there anything that they could do in a bipartisan manner that would, you know, that you, you, you actually say, hey, everybody should be for this, whether it, maybe it gets the Democrats thinking jobs or union jobs, uh, whatever, and and Republicans thinking, you know, national security. What, what, do, you, what do you see? Is there anything you can sort of push right now this would be smart to do
2: sure yeah i'll I'll give you a few ideas and and your question of whether it's partisan or not like that is a that is a very worrying trend for me i'm afraid that um that the um that the democratic party is pushing back on action against china because of their dislike for the president. And the president's been trying to get tough on China and others have too. Uh, but I don't think it's partisan. I think when you look at this, look, you a few ideas, things that we've called for in our petition. One, just fix the supply chain issue, especially when it comes to PPEs and manufacturing uh, of medical equipment and whatnot, bring that stuff back to America. That's really important stuff for us to have here. And if it's not just in America, at least bring it to other countries that are not strategic foes of ours um, on the global stage. And then, you know, other things like Congress should, should be investigating the Communist Chinese government's role in the outbreak of COVID-19. I mean, they covered things up left and right. And if, and we've seen a lot of studies that have come out that have shown if China had just acted weeks early, up to 90% of the people who were infected across the globe could have been spared and they didn't do that and the reason they don't do that is because it's kind of in their nature as Chinese as communists to cover this kind of stuff up we're calling on congress to support taiwan push back against china's bullying on taiwan another thing that we could do that would be very simple is just require american colleges and universities to allow people to see transparently whether or not they're receiving chinese funding and if they're receiving chinese funding why? What strings are attached to that? And then lastly, Let's think about China and, and the way that they play on the on the international stage with international organizations like the UN. Right now, they're designated a, quote, developing country. And so they get these advantages that are ridiculous. They don't need these kinds of advantages. They're one of the biggest economies in the world. So I think all of this stuff could be bipartisan and should be bipartisan. But we really need to um, hold our officials accountable, especially if you have a Democrat representative, because there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction against this stuff right now. because. the president is calling for a lot of it.
1: We're talking with Tim Chapman. Hey, Tim, one thing I was going to tell you that would be really, uh, we've been pushing it for many years in my organization, Phyllis Schlafly's uh, Eagle Forum and all, um, is the continuing validity of the Monroe Doctrine, which I know actually Trump spoke about at the UN, uh, in 2018. So I think it was when, um, when Ambassador Haley was there. Uh, but you know, the idea that in this hemisphere, when, when the Monroe Doctrine rolled out in, I think it's 1823, it was it was not aimed at the description was it was actually it was Russia as well as the Europeans who were trying to colonize the west coast and this was 1823. But also what Monroe said was the system that you guys are trying to put here in our hemisphere isn't isn't compatible with ours. I'm, I'm overstating it a little bit, but you know as you point out the China China's in our hemisphere with in South America with uh, not just investment but satellites and things that look awfully like military. They control a lot of the Panama Canal because of their purchase of property around it. I mean, we need uh, some, some leadership on this. And as you point out, the president's tried. I think he's done a pretty darn good job in some ways. But um, so before this election, is there any, do you have any optimism? I mean, is anybody noticing the big numbers on your petition and saying, hey, let's do something? Or is everybody trying to use it as a political issue? I mean, even Biden is starting to try to sound more hardline on China. So is it just politics until we get through to the November?
2: Well, you know, like, I, I think the politics will push the policy. Um, I think that people get this. The the response that we've received on the petition is just one anecdote. Uh, but if you look at at what people are talking about all over this country, the American people largely understand that China is very responsible for what happened in the coronavirus crisis. Um, and they, and, and they support the policies that I just outlined, uh, for you. And so I think you're going to see members pushing these things. Look, I mean, I was on the phone the other day with my good friend Chip Roy, a congressman from Texas, and he's got a, he's got a supply chain bill that's actually going to get a vote on the floor this week in the Democratic House. Um, and so Hmm. he was telling me, he said, he said, Tim, I, you know, it is a partisan issue, but the fact that they're allowing a vote on my bill, uh, means that they know that they've got some of their, backbenchers in the party that need to be able to vote on tough stuff on China. Um, And so they Hmm. need that vote because of the politics. Well, that's good. That means people are paying attention and, and, and care about this. And then think about globally, and I, and I appreciate what you just said about the Monroe Doctor and what your organization is doing there. Um, you know, We need to align with people who share our values. That's why it was so devastating uh, initially when the reports were coming out of the U.K. that they decided to allow Chinese equipment maker Huawei into their, comp- into their country. Right. Um, and we, right. and I think that the president got this right, um, the administration got this right, we don't view that as just... Equipment for broadband for the creation of 5G that could potentially be you know spying equipment that could be stuff that really is, um, allows the Chinese to get a global competitive advantage in a way that undermines our ability to lead. Um, and so now you're seeing reports that maybe the UK is rethinking some of that, and that would be very good. Um, and we are as countries of the West who love uh, free free societies need to work together um, on those kinds of issues. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's a good one. I'm glad you're doing it, and I appreciate it very much, and, and Chip Roy does seem to be pretty fearless, that guy, and I mean, I think all, a lot of us in the conservative movement knew him when he was out, he wasn't in office, and thought, well, he's pretty conservative, but he's been in office, he's been fearless, he's, he's really, and he's been persuasive, so uh, it's very cool. Well, good. Tim Chapman, thanks for writing that piece and for coming on with us, keep us in the loop, and uh, and I certainly encourage this, uh, the, the attention on China, um, you know, a lot of politicians run against China, and then nothing happens, and the uh, proof will be sort of i think in in uh, january next year when hopefully there's going to be re- real action on this so thanks very much tim appreciate it
2: you bet thank you
1: all right we'll take another quick break and be right back it's ed martin here in a pro america report be back in a minute Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. This
0: is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: There are plenty of Democrats out there who will claim building a wall on our southern border is racist. However, plenty of Democrats would rather look more moderate by saying they oppose the wall because they don't think it would work. I think it doesn't take much to debunk the phony argument that the wall would be ineffective. But if they really want to talk about the effective use of taxpayer money, I'm happy to do so. Let's talk about what those same Democrats want to do with your government dollars. Do they want to bolster our military? Do they want to take better care of our national parks? Do they want to decrease the national debt? Nope. They want to study how fast turtles go. You heard that right. Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa was the one to bring the infamous turtles-on-a-treadmill study to the Senate floor. According to her, the federally funded National Science Foundation and the National Institute for Health gave four grants so scientists could determine how fast turtles, turkeys, and other animals could go on a treadmill. Their results were less than shocking. Senator Ernst reported, It turns out that turtles are really, really slow. In fact, this study found that turtles moved at nearly the same pace as dead turtles that were also put on a treadmill. Senator Ernst continued to explain that we'll never know just how much money was spent on this study because most federal agencies don't have to disclose how much they spend on each of their projects. I'm not holding my breath that the federal government suddenly decided to be frugal when conducting this study, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Still, if the four grants put together only added up to the cost of a membership at the YMCA and a box of turtle food, they'd still have spent too much money on the study. The only thing more obvious than the fact that turtles are slow is the fact that our southern border is in desperate need of a wall. The federal government should spend our money keeping Americans safe and building up our military and securing our border. They should use our money to defend our Constitution. And they shouldn't be giving our money to some egghead for a windfall of taxpayer cash to do silly studies.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Liberal politicians cannot be allowed to manipulate tax laws regarding Social Security, charitable donations, retirement accounts, homeownership, and the definition of family. Low taxes and smaller government are core values at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you, at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly
1: Report. Welcome back, Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Let's finish up with a little uh, look. Uh, you know, many, many years ago now, I started a segment called Covfefe, uh, and I looked at Trump's tweets, and we could spend all day and all night looking at Trump's tweets, and maybe we should. Uh, right now, the, the, as you probably have tracked uh, President Trump's tweets about uh, about <laughs> crazy uh, uh, Joe Scarborough is making everybody nuts, uh, but I don't want to talk about that. Instead, I want to point you to the um, reality of campaigns. So this is going to be a long way off. You know, this is going to be a long for you to, to track back to this and remember how, um, what I'm talking about, uh, because you, you, in an, in a campaign in campaigns, you can't, um, you can't really, um, you can't know things unless you've been involved in campaigns. So the election day is, uh, is November 3rd. Okay. 160 days away. But let me just tell you when you're 160 days away, you know, you, you, are, you are less than six months from your election. And if you're Joe Biden, you, you do not seem to have much of a campaign yet. Meaning, I know it's the uh, the great pause, the China virus has caused this great pause, but he doesn't have a digital presence with any oomph, he doesn't have a social media presence with any oomph, he's doing these Zoom appearances, which are just not good. He went, you know, yesterday for Memorial Day, and I again, I, I hope many of you um, noticed, I went myself on Memorial Day with my family, we went down to the Capitol, U.S. Capitol, and, and uh, my sons and I did the Pledge of Allegiance, and I hope it was memorable for you. Memorial Day is one of those mixed blessings, right? A great day, great holiday. But there's great sadness. Um, you should have seen the cars lined up on the George Washington Parkway to get into Arlington Cemetery. And you can only I think you can only get into Arlington Cemetery on Memorial Day if you have a family member in there uh, to visit. So unbelievable. But but back to this point, 160 days to Election Day. Joe Biden, he doesn't seem to have a real campaign. And, and uh, look, I'm talking about the kinds of nuts and bolts that you have to do to manage a campaign against a candidate, whatever level. And many candidates, by the way, next week will be having primaries. There's all sorts of races. But it, it, you just watch this and you say, huh? How can this be that he didn't? Now, it gets even worse if you're Joe Biden. Because the New York Times put out a piece a couple of days ago where they went into a, a lengthy analysis. And the headline is... And the headline is Biden's online campaign is still loading. And so then they go into the fact that Joe Biden actually has been unable to get his Zoom events to work without problems of technology, without uh, 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 geese in the background, without barking dogs. And they, they're try, they try in this New York Times piece to sound quaint, but it doesn't sound quaint. It's like when Joe Biden went to this memorial yesterday for Memorial Day and he wore that black mask. He looked exactly like Michael Dukakis when he tried to wear a helmet. He had his aviator glasses on. This mask was too big, too wraparound. He could have easily gone to the memorial by wearing a mask, taking it off when he got close to the thing. He's only with his wife, who's been quarantined with the whole time. And instead, he looked like a, a, a bank robber. He didn't look like a leader. That's all I'm saying. You could disagree whether, you know, some people said he should have done it. Maybe he should have, I don't know. But he didn't look like a leader. And you, you don't wear a helmet if you're Michael Dukakis and you don't wear that mask if you're Joe Biden. Trust me, I just trust me, I know these things. It's like um, next time somebody tells you that they're running for Congress or running for um, any office and they have a beard or a mustache or a goatee, just tell them it's, it's just five points off. People don't want to, vote this. you can say, well, Eddie, I'm just telling you how it works. I'm just telling you how this works. Also, name the last big person, fat person who wins for major office. It doesn't happen. Okay. You can say these are vain, shallow, whatever. I'm just describing what happens. You cannot have the New York Times writing a piece about your campaign that is so blatantly saying it's not working. And here's what you you have to understand. If you're Joe Biden and you're running for president, in the blink of an eye, You could say to a major donor, uh, I need to rent an office space in um, Delaware, uh, a couple miles from my house. I need to put in a studio with all the high tech so that I can go there and do all the kinds of things that I need to do to look and sound professional. And it would get done. They would raise the money, bundle it, whatever. Maybe it it costs $10,000, maybe it costs $50,000. Do you know what the value to the Trump campaign is of saying Biden in the basement? Or when his 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 campaign event on Zoom is interrupted by the ducks or by the internet connection. Come on, man! It's not a big league campaign. It's just not a big league campaign. So my point in telling you all this is, it's not real, and I'm not sure he can ever get it going. People think it's close. It's not close right now. It's not close. All right, I got to run. I got to run. Thank you for listening, as always. Thank you to Noah, our technical director, for keeping things on track. Joanna, for helping produce. And we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. It's Ed Martin's Pro America Report. I'm Ed Martin. I'll be back tomorrow night. Talk to you then.